Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, today's episode is all about strength and fitness in midlife with my special guest, Alicia Jones. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your master certified coach and midlife mentor. And once again, I am so glad to be here with you. The topic I want to coach you on and provide amazing information about today is a great one and so important as a woman in the middle. We're talking about strength and fitness when you're over 50. I have a feeling this topic has been on your mind in one way or another, either the amount of fitness focus in your life right now and maybe how you want to do more, or what you're not doing right now and how you want to do more than you're currently doing. Well, you're right to be thinking about how to stay strong as you're aging, that's for sure. That's why you hear so much about the importance of your health, wellness, and overall well-being when you're in your 50s and 60s. Your strength and fitness now will set you up for a stronger and more fit next chapter. It totally matters. You may have already started to notice some people in your world who don't have the flexibility or strength that they used to have and how it's starting to affect their lifestyle. Maybe they can't get up off the floor with ease anymore, or they've had to back off of a certain type of activity that they used to love. Maybe they can't take the type of vacations they really love to take because It's just a little too active, or perhaps the terrain is just too rigorous. Maybe this is you right now. I remember hearing someone talk about not being able to go to Disney with their grandchildren anymore because of the amount of walking. Can you relate to that? And if you're like so many, you just may be procrastinating doing what you really want to do when it comes to fitness or establishing some kind of a routine. It can feel confusing about where to start or what to do. And it's also common to have some fear associated with it, too, because you don't want to get hurt. (laughs) My guest expert is going to help us make sense of all of this. Alicia Jones is a fitness and weight loss expert for women over 50. She's also someone who's lost weight and found a healthy lifestyle without fad diets and without punishing physical routines. For 16 years, she's helped transform the health and the lives of women over 50 through her fitness and weight loss strategies. Alicia's in Canada, and I recognized a lot in her bio. Actually, when she was writing to me, I was like, oh, she's local, she's local. It turns out we don't live that far from each other. I love that. She's appeared on various health and wellness television programs and produced and hosted Health Matters and The View Health and Wellness on Rogers TV. She also has a BA in kinesiology and adds many certifications to her lists of qualifications, including National Coach of Canada, advanced sport nutrition, certified group fitness instructor, personal training specialist, CanFit Pro, and many others. I know you're going to love meeting Alicia. She's got a ton of enthusiasm, and I'm sure you're just going to get lots of your questions answered too. So please enjoy this interview. Hi, Alicia. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. And I love it when I have a Canadian who's a guest. It's so unusual and super fun. Now, every once in a while, we also have a guest who is not um, 
well into the women in the middle age territory, even though it is age and stage. So I would like to welcome you in as a younger woman in the middle. And we're so happy that you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for accepting me in. Um, as we <laughs> spoke about before, all of my clients are in the 50 plus range. That is who I love to serve and help. So I'm so happy to be here and to be accepted in today. Well, exactly. And that is why I wanted you here, because you have specific expertise about fitness and strength and women in the middle. And uh, this whole thing is a definite topic. Um, Not everybody has it under control. And that's why I just thought you'd really be able to offer some amazing ideas and value and insights. So let's take it away. Uh, What do you think is the main reason that you're just so passionate to hang out with us? Well, (laughs) the 50 plus crowd. (laughs) Well, you're fabulous, by the way. Um, And (laughs) for me, I think it was twofold. I think growing up, I had two powerful women that I, that I grew up with my grandmother and my mother, my mother was a single mother. She worked a lot. And so my grandmother was the one who raised me, but my grandmother was in that category of age where it was not only cool to smoke, it was considered the norm. I mean, she was a nurse. And back then she was smoking all the time. It was just the norm. You could smoke in hospitals, you could smoke everywhere. And so she smoked for a lot of her life. So by the time I was born and she was taking care of me, she had emphysema, she had heart disease, and she wasn't, by the time I was four, I can remember she wasn't able to take care of me. She, we had to get a babysitter to come in and take care of me at the same time. And I hated that. I was not a very nice child to those babysitters, I tell you. And so we had a lot of times when the babysitter got kind of thrown out and my, I just wanted my grandmother. So that mm-hmm. relationship with grandmother, granddaughter was so important to me, but it was also affected by her health. And at the same time, years passed. And, uh, you know, I decided I was really into health and wellness and well-being. And my mother got to the age that my grandmother was when I can remember she was ill, but my mother, she never smoked. She never drank. She's, she's a very quiet person. And so I saw this contrast and I I became so passionate about it. If you take care of your health and you take care of your well-being, you eat well, and maybe you, you don't think smoking is the norm anymore. You know, we're in a different generation now. Um, if you really take care of yourself, you can have a different outcome. You can be more present for your grandkids. You can have this connection and relationship with your family. And so for me, it was so important to work with the over 50 generation. And I think also at the same time that I was witnessing this with my mother, I had already started to coach and train, but I was in big box gyms. And I don't know if you've Mm. been in many big box gyms, but there are a lot of people that aren't necessarily there for their health. They're uh, more there as a meat market. Let's pick up other people. And it was not me. And so when I met women that were in the 50 plus, they would talk about their health and that this was a journey for the psychological and physical well-being of their health. They wanted to live that second half with as much energy and vibrance as they could. And that for me, I just, I think those two pieces connected together. And that's why I became so passionate about the over 50 population. Oh, I love that. I I love that story to be able to compare and contrast two older women's experiences that were very close to you and how uh, your grandmother's health really got in the way. 
Yeah. And with my mother, you know, we, we've done amazing trips together. We've gone to Scotland. We were there for weeks. I was there for a month and she came down for two weeks of that. And we're hiking and doing all of these amazing adventures. She was able to keep up. We went to Italy. It was boiling hot. I thought I was going to faint. They don't have air conditioning anywhere. And my mom, she was like, uh, do you want to go home now? I'm like, yeah, please. I, I need to go back. And she's ready to go. She is strong. And that I think that's because she really takes care of herself. I bet. And, you know, one of the things that stood out too, was that you remember a lot of negativity around weight loss when you were a teenager. So tell me how that whole thing affected your career choice. Yeah. So I, I don't think I know anybody who has not done some sort of really low calorie or, you know, weight loss, starvation style of plan where you're barely, you're barely eating. For me, I, from a very young age, I remember associating being a certain size with beauty for me. So for me, I thought if I got to a certain size, if I was this certain exact, you know, size four, size eight, something like that, then I would feel really good in my skin. I'd feel beautiful and confident. And it took a lot of years, a lot of restrictive plans, a lot of soul searching and understanding of myself to, to not want anything to do with that, actually to really veer away from that. And so when I found fitness and health in a way that was empowering and a way that I could lose weight for my own weight to be at a healthy weight. Um, I didn't want to associate myself with anything that was like, Hey, I want to be bikini ready and, you Mm. know, tank top ready and all of that sort of, I wanted something that was about health, psychological well-being, empowering that felt really, really good uh, for people and to show people how to do that because I knew that there was a way to do that. And I knew there was a way that you could get away from all of the the restriction and the dieting and, and really embrace something that felt good for us, for, for each of us that was empowering. I'm having a total flashback to Glamour magazine days when I was a kid. And it was all about being bikini ready and bathing suit ready. And it was just so vanity focused. And there were, there were all the crazy diets were always talked about. I don't know if it was that magazine. I also read Tiger Beat and I read 17. Like I read all those magazines and I was glued to them. Also Archie Comic Digest. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not at that age. I think Tiger Beat and Archie comics kind of went together. But um, anyway, uh, yeah. So it was around like that in the 70s, too. Big, big focus on that. So when you went to school, you were already pretty clear about university and wanting to focus on this kind of health. Yes. Or wellness, well-being. Yeah, I knew I wanted to. It was actually, you know what? I went to university late. I was in my my mid-20s before I went to university. I was soul searching and trying to figure out what I wanted. And I had actually gone through a pretty severe depression during that time. And I know it sounds cliche, but fitness saved me. Like for me, that doesn't sound cliche. Tell me more about that. (laughs) Well, I mean, there was nowhere else I wanted to be. I I was working in the hotel industry at the time. I didn't want to be there anymore. Just anytime I was able to be exercising, working out, stretching, um, looking at articles or, or reviews on, on how to take care of your health. I just felt really happy 
And I felt the depression ease away. And so for me, there was, that was a turning point for me. I knew, okay, this is it. I knew at some point I wanted to go to university. I knew that this had become a passion for me. And I wanted to get that education in that because I thought this is saving me. It's making me feel really good. And I'm finding a way to pull myself out of this dark place with fitness. And so that's where it all began. I love that. I love that you had the awareness of what you are actually passionate about because so many women uh, in the middle, we struggle with the passion and I've heard it a million times. I don't know what my passion is and you recognized it. And, you know, it's usually related to, there are clues throughout our lives and our childhoods in, in particular usually about what the passion is, but you noticed it and you acted on it. And that is right there alone. That is something that is a struggle for many women um, in my age. And I find with many of my clients, at least that uh, are in the, you know, their fifties or getting ready even to retire. What's happened is their head has been down because they've been taking care of the family. They've been maybe taking care of an ill parent. You know, it's been go, go, go for so long. I, I can understand how it's difficult to take a step back and say, okay, what am I actually passionate about? It, it can be very difficult. I can empathize with that. What am I actually passionate about? And how the heck would I ever get more of a health routine going again when it's just so hard to find time to go to the bathroom sometimes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Except in the middle of the night, of course. <laughs> well, exactly. Then, oh, there's lots of time for those shenanigans. <laughs> little, I'm sure you hear this all the time. So tell me a little bit how you, how you start helping uh, women 50 plus move again and, you know, start to recalibrate their lives to support more well-being. Yeah. I think that really depends on the stage you're at right now. If you're still working, you still have a family you're taking care of. You still have uh, maybe a parent that you're taking care of as well. And you are still pulled in every direction. It's really, really important to know that it doesn't take hours of your day. The quality of your workout matters more than anything else. The quality of what you do matters more than anything else. And if you just allocate five minutes five minutes, or maybe go to bed an hour earlier. If it, if it's about your health or if it's about, um, losing weight in a healthy way, then, uh, it could be something as simple as deciding, okay, yeah, like I need to go to this drive through or takeout right now. I have no other option, but maybe I'm going to get something that's healthier, like the chicken wrap instead of, you know, the, the burger and fries. So making small changes makes a huge impact. It's all about the quality and not the quantity of your workout specifically. Totally. And I can, I I catch myself thinking that too. If I don't have an hour, I don't have enough time to do anything, Mm -hmm. but it's really true. It's a, there's a concept that uh, we use a lot called the minimum baseline concept. And it's so powerful. And the first time I did it, I was challenged to get on a treadmill for five minutes. And I thought, well, even I can't not do that. Like even with all my excuses, (laughs) even, even I can do that. And I just found it uh, so funny when I was doing it. I, I, I was laughing at myself because it seemed so ridiculous that it was so easy to do that once I believed that I could do it. So what are some of the ways that you can really help get somebody to change their mindset about how long it takes to move? Um, well, okay. First off, I love the idea of weights. I know you were talking about being on a treadmill and I think a lot of people think, okay, I've got to do cardio. I've got to do as much cardio as I can. 
But the thing is, is that for many that are starting and that are already really exhausted, you're thinking to yourself, I have to be on a treadmill. I have to be sweating and huffing and puffing, or maybe I have to be sweating and then I have to go back to work. So what I love is the idea of weight training. One, it enhances lean muscle growth. So you're going to enhance lean muscle growth, which revs up the metabolic rate. It also helps with your quality of life. So doing a leg exercise is going to create more lean muscle in your legs, which reduces your risk of falls um, and helps enhance your quality of life. So if you do a weight training workout that's five minutes, maybe you have a set of weights by your, your door, but just before you leave, you can do a set of bicep curls and something for the back and maybe sit and stand a few times. You can incorporate that into your date really, really easily. You're not going to be sweaty. So you can leave right away. If you want to leave the house and you're also not dreading it because if you don't have the energy for something that's more energetic, like a high cardio at the time, you're trying to get that energy. It is the perfect place to start because you do it and you think, Hmm, I didn't do that much. Maybe in a couple of days, you're like, huh, okay. Now I actually feel a little bit of what I was doing, but during the time frame, it actually feels really doable. I could feel my mindset shift as, as you were explaining it. Like I, I've definitely always lumped that all in together, but you're right. The one has a very different feel to it than, you know, just adding more of a treadmill in your life like the tread or Peloton or whatever it is that's requiring a lot of energy and sweat for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you have the energy and you're in a place where you have the time um, also for many of my clients that are already retired, this is something that they're dedicating in that second half for themselves because they're like, now I'm retired. There's no excuses. Let's, let's do this. And so they want to have a time for cardio or a time for weight training or combining it together. But the reality is for many that work, you're, you're really tired. You're trying to just get that energy to get started. And it's a really simple place to start with your weight training. Oh, that's so good. So what would a, a good routine be for somebody just starting out? Okay. So simplest one, you're sitting right now, you can stand up and then sit back down and you can do that 10 to 15 times. Super easy. It's going to work all of your legs. It's going to work your abs. It's going to work your back. It's actually a full body exercise. And again, it has, your legs have a lot of muscle. So you're rubbing up your metabolic rate by doing that. And you're, again, the legs are what really creates a better quality of life. You're reducing your risk of falls by enhancing that lean mass. You know, with everybody working at home nowadays, there is a lot of sedentary stuff happening in people's homes. <laughs> yeah. I think probably more than ever. So what else can you do when you're sitting around like this? Uh, well, you've got a chair. If you don't have any weights at all, you can just sit on the edge of the chair and put your hands on the edge of the chair. It's called a dip and just kind of raise your body up. Maybe even hold on to the arms of the chair and raise your body up. So you're straightening your arms and then bending them again. That works the back of the arms. Um, if you roll your shoulders back, you're opening up your chest. It works your back as well. You're looking for exercises that can touch on multiple muscles at the same time. They're compound exercises. Uh, that's what they're called. And then by doing that, you don't have to do a hundred different exercises. <laughs> you can do maybe four and that's it. And it's going to hit the whole entire body and you're done because you're looking for five minutes, right? You're looking for a small amount of time at first, something that you can fit in. And everyone loves working the back of their arms. Like even if it's not for vanity and it's for health, everybody always asks me, how can I start toning up the back of the arms? Oh, the arms. Exactly. That is a common complaint. Um, and if you were to recommend weights, like if somebody was just going to start with a small weight, what, what, where would you even start with that? Yeah. So 
I think, again, that depends on what your strength is right now. There's a misconception that you should only be sticking with twos or fives. I think, I think there's still a fear around weights, uh, which uh, is an understandable fear. You don't want to hurt yourself when you're weight training, um, but staying too light so that you don't actually feel that you've done anything at the next day or the day after that, you don't want to feel so sore that you cannot wash your hair. You don't want to feel so <laughs> sore that you cannot sit on the toilet. If you're going to the bathroom, you want to definitely be able to move, but you want to also be able to say, Hmm, I kind of feel something here. So what you need to do is find a weight that by 12 to 15 repetitions starts to feel heavy yet doable. So you Mm. could still probably get a few more repetitions in there, but you're deciding to say, Hey, I'm going to stop. This is good for me. If you're doing a weight and you can have a full out conversation with me, like maybe in this podcast underneath your table, I don't know, you've got two pound (laughs) weights there. And you're, you're using those weights the entire time we're doing this podcast, the weight is too light. It is not creating any shift for you. And you're also wasting your time because we're trying to do this in a short amount of time, right? Right. So, yeah. So you do not, you want to make sure that you're feeling that stimuli. You want to make sure that by 12 to 15 reps, you're feeling that weight. And what about push-ups? Are they still a good idea? I always remember hearing that if you can manage push-ups, if you can only do one thing, that might be a good thing to do. Oh, the push up. I have so many, I have so many feelings about it. Um, every exercise has its place. Let's start there. Every exercise. One of the number one complaints that I get, uh, from many of my clients are that they have shoulder issues and, uh, frozen shoulder is very common for the over 50 population. So is, um, just instability of the shoulder or shoulder hurting. It is a floating joint. And so it is really common for it to not necessarily want to sit where it wants to sit. And then all of a sudden we're living in this world. Well, not all of a sudden, obviously (laughs) over time, we're sitting in this world where we're driving our arms are forward and being pulling our shoulders out of uh, alignment. We're typing, which is a forward motion where maybe holding the babies or the grandbabies or the, you know, the children, all those years, and it's a forward motion. And so our shoulders are not in a good alignment. And then we're demanding as one of the first exercises that you're doing, if if you've had a long time off to do this forward motion again, it creates, it can create a lot more tightness in an area that is already tight. It can also create a lot of wrist issues. That being said, what I really like to do with a push-up is change the angle. So a lot of people do it with their elbows flared out when they're doing that, which is really, really hard on the shoulder. Bring your elbows in, roll your shoulders back and elevate yourself. So maybe you do it on the top of your desk, or maybe you do it on the back of a sofa and really squeeze your shoulder blades back when you're coming back. So you can, once again, you're working your back. And then once you come forward, yes, you're, you're touching the chest a little bit, but you're also getting help from the back of the arms. You're also getting help from your abs and you're stabilizing your shoulder to reduce your risk of injury. Oh, okay. Also then you're not on your knees if you've modified the push up on the floor. So you're not on the floor, but you're Mm -hmm. just using a couch or a wall or something like that to go up and down with. Yes. Yeah. And I think what, even if you think I can do these push-ups, that's where I'm at. I always, always start someone elevated first, just to make sure form is great. Cause I think too, for many that are starting, they're like, I should be able to do this. I did this when I was in my thirties, <laughs> I should be able to do it now. And then they push through and then there's an injury. So it's better to back up, focus on form first. And then once you know that, Hey, 
yes, I can do this no problem. And the next few days I can wash my hair. You move on to the next level, something lower. That makes sense. And what about things that we should probably avoid? Like if we really don't know what we're doing, we're just starting out. What should you avoid? Well, we did talk about that push-up. <laughs> so I say avoid any sort of flared arm push-ups. Mm. Please also avoid all leg raises. You know, the, the tummy is one of those areas that I also get asked about. It's like, you know, I, I have this, this tummy that I didn't have before. First off, ab exercises are excellent for core strength. They're also excellent to help stop the dribble. So if you leak a little bit when you sneeze or, or when you cough, um, if you're doing ab exercises correctly, then you can start to tone and strengthen that area. Low leg raises are not going to flatten the tummy. They're, all, they're also going to make a lot of back issues, low back issues. And uh, they were painful when I did them in my 20s. I don't know why anyone would want to do them now. You know, <laughs> they're just so horrible for the back. They arch the back and they create more issues. So what would be a good exercise for abdominals? Well, I love the plank, but we are getting into the shoulder again, and we are getting into the wrists if you're doing it on your hands. And there's always that person that's saying to me, oh, I don't want to do that though, because it's hard <laughs> on the shoulder and hard on the wrist. And we're already doing those tricep push-ups, those push-ups with the elbows close. So instead of doing that, you can do something uh, called dead bug. It sounds painful, but it's not. <laughs> it is a modified version of a low leg raise where you're just um, switching one leg to the other. Um, I should give you a video to demo for that, but it's basically, it's a healthier way of doing your low abs. It's called the dead bug. Oh, I'd be happy to hyperlink that in the show notes. Oh, okay. I think I actually have a safe ab workout um, you can do. So I, I'll send that to you. That would be great. And I'm happy to put that in the show notes. And you know, one time I did, this was before COVID, but I was on a really solid tennis routine for a while. Like I was like, I finally found something I like to do. And of course I got injured right at the beginning. I had tennis elbow and I just made a decision that I was going to power through. So I got the right brace and this and that. And I powered through and it didn't even occur to me that I should probably get some advice about whether or not I should power through. <laughs> so it ended up being okay, but I don't know if I made it worse than it needed to be or whatever. So what can you uh, tell us about when we do have pain? I think there's a differentiation between good pain and bad pain. Um, I think that I don't know, Susie, do you think that you had bad pain? It was definitely painful, but I really <laughs> wanted to play tennis. I was thinking, I finally found exercise that I like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And I get that too, because you don't want to take away the thing that you love. And, and when you found that passion for it, uh, it, did it go away because you sought help? Like, did you do physiotherapy at the same time as you were no. doing tennis? Or? I just got the braces I was supposed to get. That was it. And that worked. That was fine. Yeah, it did. But I, I wasn't, I was playing once a week. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't more intense than that. Okay. I think that that would depend again. So of course I am crazy about fitness. So I would be 
trying not to eliminate that exercise, but I would be seeing someone to get exercises that would strengthen that area. Because when you just wear a brace all the time, you're starting to relax the muscles that are supporting that joint. And so they're not getting the exercise they need. Sometimes you need to have a brace because, you know, if you're doing repetitive motion on that area, it's going to allow those muscles to relax a little bit. But if you weren't doing anything to strengthen those muscles, to help relieve the pain long-term. I'm guessing that if you went back to that exercise again right now, it would only take a few weeks before the tennis elbow would start up. And I'm actually Mm. shocked. So a lot of people come to me with tennis elbow when they have been cooking a lot because Mm. it is the same motion for a lot of things when you're lifting pans and and moving things around and twisting the pans and and that sort of thing. So um, yeah, so you don't ever feel that when you're cooking? No, I don't cook that much. Well, one of my kids made it easy. Uh, one of my kids really enjoys cooking. I'm like, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> but it makes it's funny. Your life easier. I didn't really even think about this. This was a long time ago. I must have been early. I don't even know if I was 50. I don't think I was 50. So I, I didn't have that mindset of, oh, my body's changing. Maybe I need more help. Maybe I should get a consult. Maybe I should see a physio. I was in a very different mindset when I was powering through. And uh, I wonder if you could comment a little bit about, you know, how the body changes as we age when it comes to exercise and some other concerns we might want to be thinking about. Yeah. And um, first off, I think that you can get injured at any age. I'm going to say that Uh, the, the difference is, is that usually we ignore it and move on in our twenties. Maybe we're not smart enough to know something's going on. (laughs) Um, And over 50, it is different because adaptation rates change. So you have an injury there. It's going to take longer to heal from it. I think I'm sure many of your listeners know that, you know, if, if your knee hurts and maybe you have to get a little bit of physio for it, or your elbow hurts and you need to get physio for it, instead of it being three sessions and you're done, it keeps on coming back. It's niggling. It takes longer for your body to repair. And so you you do need to keep in mind that reparation rates change, adaptation rates to exercise shift a little bit. It doesn't mean that you can't do all of the amazing exercises that you once did if you were exercising before. It just means that you, instead of exercising every day at the highest intensity on this joint or this, this area that's injured, or even on a body that is just learning how to exercise, you need to make sure that you're giving your body plenty of time to rest in between. Mm, to actually that's good. Repair. Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. So, you know, another thing, now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking about my sneakers. And of course, in Canada, we say running shoes, but in the <laughs> States, I grew up with sneakers. But I notice um, because I walk the dog a lot that I'm really starting to feel when the sneakers are, you know, no longer great. And I don't think when I was younger, I really noticed that anymore, but I'm really feeling like the need to replace them more often um, because of my back and my feet and this and that. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, that is definitely a thing. Yeah. Uh, impact rates shift. So for example, I'm a runner and as you talked about, I'm in the early midlife. Um, when I'm running a lot of times I'll run on the grass now. So I'm already Mm. starting to adapt myself because I can feel that shift. Uh, shoes should be shifted if they're running shoes or walking shoes every three months on average, or the amount of kilometers that you're, 
you're running uh, or walking, uh, it needs to shift. It doesn't mean you have to give up walking. It doesn't mean you have to give up running, but you definitely have to make sure that you have shoes that have the proper support in order to give that extra padding. And what is even more interesting is you also have to have times when you're out in the grass or outside without any shoes on at all. Because if all you're doing is wearing shoes because you're like, I want to avoid the impact, well, then you're starting to reduce the sensory receptors, the, the actual uh, senses in the bottom of your foot. They're starting to go to sleep because they think you don't need them. Our bodies are so intelligent. So they literally start to just say, hey, this isn't a part of the body she's using. She's got these shoe things on. For a lot of people call them, a lot of experts will call them the coffins of the feet. Because really? It starts to, yeah, it starts to, to reduce the sensory receptor wow. um, ability. And so not only do your feet start to kind of go to sleep, but you'll also see a lot more issues happening with plantar fasciitis. So I don't know mm. if that's something you've ever felt before. It, I, it is something I felt before. Yeah. It was, yeah. And that tends painful. to come as well in midlife more because you've been wearing shoes for so many years. Right. And, and without any sort of tactile, um, barefoot feel and working out the bottoms of your feet. I know it sounds so strange, but doing a few feet exercises can really help with impact. They can help wake up your foot. They can help with proprioception. So your ability to know where you are and reduce your risk of falls with age as well. So, um, just take off your shoes every once in a while and go in the grass and move oh, that's, around. That's so interesting. Cause I'm very uncomfortable barefoot. And when I, um, I was taking tap dancing and I couldn't stop watching the teacher's feet because she had a dancer's foot and they're so flexible and they just, the way she was able to point and flex all the different parts of her feet. I was fascinated by it. And I have noticed one time when I have incredibly like a ton of pain in my feet is with stand up paddleboarding because oh. right because you have to really use the fine the fine muscles in your feet and it kills me i can only do it for like 10 15 minutes yes the stabilizer muscle but you know what that is amazing that you're doing that even if it's for 5 minutes because that is a fun way to wake up those sensory receptors <laughs> and to work out all of those muscles that have been dead because you've been wearing shoes so you're oh, just Oh that's better Oh, I like that better than walking in the grass. <laughs> oh, so okay, there you go. <laughs> it's harder too. It really works the balance. That's an amazing exercise to do. Balance, anything to do with balance. I love paddleboarding. We just it, got a paddleboard, so it's yeah. very relaxing. And I, yeah, and it definitely, I do worry about falling. And when you're on the water, I don't worry about falling. But the tap dancing, I worried about falling. <laughs> yeah, it was super fun though. It was so much fun. So okay, working out staying mobile, moving your body. Sounds great. Um, why do we need it? Why isn't it uh, optional or why shouldn't it be optional? Well, there are a lot of reasons why, well, we are talking a lot about weight training when I think we, for the most part, I am pretty sure we all know that any sort of cardiovascular walking, um, swimming, when you fall off of the paddle board, uh, biking, all of this is excellent for the heart um, and especially over 50 for us women, when estrogen levels are declining, our heart protective mechanism is going, you need to make sure that your heart is really strong. Uh, blood sugar levels can also rise with age. We need to make sure that we're keeping healthy blood sugar levels. We do not want to get type two diabetes. We do not want to get insulin resistance. And so doing cardiovascular is great for making sure blood sugar levels stay 
intact. And also with weight training, it's lesser known that it actually strengthens your heart as well. Uh, most people think it's just cardio. What cardio does is it almost lengthens your heart down so it can hold more volume of, of blood. What weight training does is it, every time you do one of your repetitions of an exercise, it creates force in the heart, a gentle force. I don't want to say your heart's not going to explode, but (laughs) it puts gentle force on the heart and your heart has to pump back and push. And so you're strengthening that most powerful muscle, your heart muscle by doing weight training. So you've got to do weight training for your heart as well. Um, and it also helps you store more glycogen, which is your sugar stores. So you're going to balance out blood sugar. Um, but also I think people don't realize how important it is to weight train with age as well. One, you will lose lean muscle with age if you do not use it. And so you have to make sure you're continually putting a stimuli on that muscle. Like how we talked about with the 12 repetitions, you have to make sure that you're doing that in order to enhance lean muscle. If you do want weight loss, lean muscle is what's in charge of keeping your metabolic rate high. It's going to boost your metabolism and burn more fat, even at rest, even when you're sitting, even we when like you're that. reading. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And again, it's in charge of your quality of life. Studies show time and time again, that leg strength, the, the greater strength you have in your legs and the more fast twitch muscle fibers, the ones that work more fast, the greater your quality of life. You reduce your risk of falls. You also strengthen your bones. Um, you're able to be more mobile and walk. And I think All of this sounds great, but it all boils down to how do you want to live your second half? Do you Mm. want to be out paddleboarding? Do you want to be going to events with your friends and family? And and, uh, maybe I am a big traveler. I love to travel. So seeing the world and going on hikes. um, I was sharing how I went with my mom on many hikes and we saw the world together. And so um, do you want to live like that? Or do you kind of just want to live seated in a chair because you don't feel healthy and you're missing out on the world that's around you in the second half. That's so amazing. Yeah. You know, you really hit the nail on the head. It's another area of your life to be intentional about. And I find that uh, everything with post COVID, it's not even post, but at this phase of COVID, you know, so many of us are in a bit of a time warped blur about how much time has passed and how our lives have changed. And for many of us, it became even more sedentary. Um, And it takes time to establish new realities and new routines when you're kind of in this weird blur of, is this temporary? Is this, how long, how long is this going on? It's just so bizarre. Um, But yeah, those are really good points. So I think many also, like we all know COVID took and is taking a long time. Um, but I think what's happened for many that maybe had some sort of routine or started to get into a routine pre COVID now that they're entering the world again, uh, for many, they're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I had lost Mm. Like time just passed. And they didn't realize that, you know, um, they're, they're not in the same physical state that they were before. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You make a really good point about that for sure. So what would you say, given exactly where we are in time right now, what is your best advice to women in the middle? Where we are right now uh, with, with COVID passing, quote unquote passing, (laughs) um, I think more than ever, we know how important health is and, and feeling healthy, 
having optimal immunity and strength. And so start small, like if you do not need to do long, intense workouts to begin, uh, there, there doesn't need to be a specific, you know, weight, exact weight size you've got to be, or an exact, uh, number you've got to reach. Just do something small, one baby step at a time, five minute weight training workout, doing your treadmill for five minutes. Like you were talking about stand up and sit down five times, <laughs> something small that feels doable. And then build on that for your health. I, I remember thinking, uh, being so grouchy about Costco because, you know, you got to make a million trips, get it all in the car, make a million trips to get it in the house. There's no bags. There's no boxes. There's no whatever. I don't bother with any of that with any boxes. And then I started to think, well, who cares if it takes me 10 trips? It's exercise <laughs> going up and down the stairs in and out of the house, all of it. Yeah, no, I, I, I like I just that. have to say, I love Costco. It's not a commercial for Costco. I know, but <laughs> I love that place. <laughs> There are times, there are times when it's enjoyable, that's for sure. So I um, am so excited about you sharing a little bit of information about this seven-day starter strength training and slim down challenge. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that and how we can get it. Okay. Well, first off, that challenge is exactly what we're talking about. Baby steps. If you're looking for like a powerful one-hour workout, you're not going to get that in the seven-day starter strength training and slim down challenge. It's just not meant for that. It's meant to set you up from the very start. If you are just trying to get started with eating a bit healthier and getting in that five minute quick exercise routine, that is where it's at. And so for that, um, I think I gave you the link. So the link would be in, in the notes. Yep. I see it. Alicia Jones, healthy forward slash start now. And I'll definitely put the link in the show notes. Yes. It's super quick and simple. And it also links to my Facebook group. So if you have questions about it, please do reach out. Um, it's an easy, easy challenge to get started and it, it just sets you up for success. It's the foundation. And it's free. And it's free. You can't <laughs> do better than free. <laughs> I'll also Amazing. give you the link for that ab for the ab workout for the safer abs that shows the dead bug exercise, because I'm sure people are like, what are you making me do? Dead bug. Time? I know that was, that was funny. <laughs> no, that, that would be really great. Alicia, thank you so much for joining us today. I think you really uh, put things into perspective when it comes to moving your body and making some of these changes. And I just love that you love the women in the middle. I love that you love us. I do. I do. You're living your best life. <laughs> that is for sure. Thanks so much. <laughs> thank you. Okay, that's it for this episode. So much good stuff, right? I loved how Alicia made incorporating strength training into your daily activities so doable, like by putting weights under your desk or using your chair to help you with some simple exercises. This really helped me change some of my thinking about what was possible in my busy day. I even signed up for one of her programs and it's great. She has an awesome masterclass too that I think you'll like. It's called the two-step process to fine-tune your food and fitness formula to achieve optimum health and melt away the midsection. She notes that it doesn't need to feel hard and you don't need to feel deprived. <laughs> so good, right? And the link for this masterclass is also in the show notes. Just like so much of what I coach on here in the podcast, you really have to be intentional about your life, and that includes your health and well-being. It's so important to ask yourself what you can do now to set yourself up for success later. And another way to think about this is to check in with your future self. Now, I don't know if you get into the whole future self thing, but 
I find it really useful. So think about yourself as 75 or 80 years old and just ask yourself at that age for some gentle guidance about what would be amazing for you to do now to give you give yourself the strength and the fitness that you want later. I know it's kind of hard with the tenses thinking about your future self, but that's really what you want to do is just imagine yourself at that age, your older and wiser self, and just ask for some advice because she knows you and she'll be honest. And then all that's left is what you do with that valuable information. All right, as you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck and live your best life because there is way more fun to be had. If you want to finally focus on getting unstuck, like step on the gas already, there's no better mechanism, no better way than when you know you're meant for more like this and you know that you're wasting valuable time than to move forward with a community of women just like you. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and create your exciting next chapter. I want to invite you to apply to the Women in the Middle Academy. It's a six-month coaching program where you get all the support you need to apply what you're learning here in the podcast. But more importantly, you get expert coaching, curriculum, and a community to get clear about what you want so that you don't have regrets. Don't waste another second feeling stuck. Go ahead and apply. Just fill out the quick and easy application when you book your momentum call and we'll have a quick chat. Head over to www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 269. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. 